What does it mean to live with less stuff and more compassion? That's the question we aim to answer every Monday on the Minimalist Vegan Podcast. Hi, we're Michael and Marshall O'Fay, and in this episode, we're talking about why we don't want children. I know, controversial topic, I know, but we had to do this. You might be wondering what this topic has to do with minimalism or veganism. Well, you'll be surprised to see how much our values have shaped the way we think about having children. There's lots to break down in this conversation, so I'll leave it at that. Let's get into it. Alrighty, big topic today, Michael. Mm. You excited? I've got a lot to say about this one. I know you have a lot to say about this one. <laughs> I don't know if I'll be able to get a word in, but I'll try. Oh, you totally will. Um, yeah. So, what are we talking about today? So, today we're talking about children. Specifically, why we've decided not to have children. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a topic that I wrote about, I think it was last year on our website. And it's probably been one of the most commented on posts that yeah. we've had. Yep. And a lot of engagement and a lot of uh, women in in particular connecting with it. And it's been refreshing to see that I'm not the only one that feels like this out there. Well, I had, the, I had the opposite probably response to what we anticipated. Well, I mean, I kind of selfishly wrote it for that reason in a way just to like put feelers out and and just see what happens, I guess, and give my honest opinion and also let others know that are close to us that I know would read it so that they have a good understanding as to why we don't want to have yeah. children. So it was like a, well, if you ask me the question, just yeah. go read the post. <laughs> I did that with my mum, actually. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <Do you> remember? <laughs> so like, you, it was, don't like, uh, you don't want children. What? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'll send you to a link. <laughs> well, we didn't always not want to have kids. So it wasn't yeah. something that from a young age we both thought, oh, yeah, it's not for us. Um, mm. So I think it's probably been maybe in the last five years that we've decided like, okay, this this isn't really a path that we want to go down. Yep. And I guess especially when we introduce minimalism and veganism and more health into our lifestyles and the more children, sorry, the more people around us that started having children, I think it freaked me out personally more than drew me to the idea of, Right. Having a family. Yeah. I mean, we've got a family now. We've got Chewy, our little three-year-old dog. Mm. And um, and he's totally more than enough to satisfy that motherly instinct that I guess that, you know, so many women say that, you know, you need to fulfill and yeah, all of that that we naturally have as, as being humans. Yeah. Um, but I guess the main thing before we get started is I want to just – say that this is why we don't want to have children Mm. and that we're not judging others for the fact that they do have children or want to have children. Everyone has their own opinion and their own choice to do that. Um, But these are just, it's not just one reason. There's multiple reasons why we've chosen not to go down that path. Mm. And it's not to say, you know, and people, you know, we're both, well, you've just turned 31 and I'm about to turn 31 next week, but still hey, a lot of people <laughs> still a lot of people say, oh, how old are you? And you tell them and they go, oh, you've got plenty of time. You know, like there's plenty of time for you to change your mind or yeah. all that sort of thing, which, you know, I don't want to deny that it might not happen, but it's highly unlikely that it will happen with the way that we feel about it. Yeah. So it's interesting you say that. I, I I haven't told you, but I had a conversation with uh, a friend from my previous job, and yeah, we're just having a few drinks out, and we're talking about children and how you know we decided that we don't want children. And uh, is this and, another male? Yeah, another yeah. male actually. And uh, he's he's just like so, Michael. Uh, how old is your your wife? I'm like, oh, she's the same age as me. She's about ten thirty one. He's like, interesting, yeah. I had a similar experience <laughs> with my partner. Oh, like, like them not wanting to have kids. Yeah, she said that she didn't want kids, but it's like something happened. Mm-hmm. Like something clicked, you know, in her mid-30s and and all of a sudden she just she wanted kids. So it's just like, just watch out for that. Like he was warning, <laughs> like he was warning me, <laughs> you know, like, 
You know what so I mean? He was like, how many kids have they got? They've got one. Okay. But um, he's just like, yeah, how things can shift. And yeah. he, he was more just like, you know, I understand that's where you're at now, but watch out for her. Right. You know? And, and <laughs> so I she's the one that's going to be changing change. her yeah. mind. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. But I do remember if we take it back to, you know, how I mentioned before that it was about five years ago that we decided. Well, I think that, I mean, not decided, but I think that that's when things started changing for us yeah. to lead us to the to the end result of, well, there's multiple reasons as to sure. why we don't want children. Sure. Um, but how we used to talk, I mean, we've been together for over a decade now yep. and the fact that we used to talk about having children and you always wanted to have them. When we first started dating, I remember you saying you wanted like five, six kids mm. and I always used to feel horrified at that thought because <laughs> I come from a family of six. There's, I've got uh, two sisters and a brother. Yep. There's four kids all up and I just, the thought of having a ginormous family just was like, no. Like mm. in my view, the most that I'd ever if it was like max would be no more than three mm. or two would be like ideal. So that they've got each other to play with. Mm. But the more years went on, the less children. Yeah. You were part of, of, you were part of a Tarago family. Yes. Yeah. You know, having, four, four kids plus you need, you need, you need a Tarago. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I was, yeah, I was of that same sort of thought, even though I've, I've only got one brother, one sister, um, not quite a Tarago family. But yeah, I don't know what was motivating me to have those thoughts initially. Mm. Um, but yeah, how times have changed. <laughs> well, I mean, we both value family. Yeah. And we're both relatively close with our families. Um, and so it's not something that we take for granted being part of bigger families. Oh, and shout out to our parents. Yeah. I mean, let's face it, if our parents had the same mentality as us, we, we wouldn't we exist. We wouldn't be here. So yeah. I think there's there's definitely, you know, an acknowledgement there. Mm. Um, we don't take every breath for granted and the opportunity that we have to live. Yeah. Um, because, you know, our, our parents wanted children, I suppose. You, know, you suppose yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not always planned but um you know so we're definitely grateful to be here yeah and and there's that element to yeah. to having children that i can i can understand yeah so we appreciate the lives that they've given us and um you know we we remind ourselves of that all the time as well mm. but i think you know when i started thinking differently about going against the grain and against the norm of not wanting to have kids, I started realizing that I've always been a bit different. Yeah. That I've never been the one to kind of blend in or to, even though I always desperately wanted to, but I was... Not one to conform. Yeah. It, it wasn't something that really sat well with me, especially probably once I started working for myself and, you know having that understanding that the world isn't the way that we might perceive it to be. Sure. And that in many ways we're very brainwashed into this system mm. of uh, of consuming and of in many different ways, whether it be things or food or, you know, just living in, in the – and just paying attention to what's on the news and believing that everything that we've been told by government is true and, I mean – that's a whole other story, but for me being also six foot tall, you know, I was always the odd one, the odd one out growing yeah. up and I was teased a lot and I always just wanted to fit in and then moving to Australia, not knowing any English again was just a big hurdle. Um, and, you know, once I started caring more about what I was putting in and on my body and taking that to a pretty extreme level for me, yeah. there wasn't anyone out there that I've ever met that could connect with me on, on that level. Like there, I, I always knew that, okay, no one's just not as crazy as I am, but like in a way, no one takes it as seriously as I do. Yeah. Um, and I guess with even veganism, the whole saying of once you know, you can't unknow. So, yeah. you know, the chemicals that we put on our skin and like once I knew certain things, yeah. I was not interested in supporting brands that were doing the wrong thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and 
I guess, obviously, being vegan and a minimalist, that's very yeah. different to most of the people that we know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, now also working full-time, that's very different. Or from, being self-employed full-time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So there's a lot of things in life, I guess, that we've done or that I've done or that I just have been without having to do anything that has been very different to many other people. Yeah. And even, you know, in many ways to my family. Yeah. Um, so that sort of, it doesn't feel like an unnatural thing to now not want to have children. Um, and I think that a lot of people aren't, sort of overly surprised as well by that yeah so um well i think i think maybe earlier on maybe but i think you're right since we i think everything started to shift when we started to embark on this journey of you know intentionality Mm. you know minimalism and veganism and i think that's when our conversation started to shift because we everything was on the table you know i think we we you have always questioned things for sure but you know i think together Collectively, we just started um, trying to look at things more independently, you know, and we could more comfortably block out the noise of our sphere of influence and what people around us were doing and we can sort of just do our own thing. Yeah, and it's really important the fact that we are so similar in the way that we think and the way that we want to live our lives that we're just really lucky to have each other in that sense. Sure. And that, that really on a big scale there hasn't been anything that we've... We we've, are lucky because we're strong-minded. About, we're yeah. pretty stubborn. Like individually, we're pretty stubborn people. Yeah. So for all of these things to line up has been quite remarkable. Mm. And I think you're right. Very, very lucky. And when you talk about a topic of having children. Oh, that's something that can tear people apart. Absolutely. So if, if, if your spouse is not on the same page... You know, that can be really uncomfortable on both sides. Like, you know, and I know some people that have had children because their partner wants to have a child so badly, but then the relationship, you know, it's it's not an easy thing. And I think even some people that were commenting also, yeah, you know, were saying that them and their partner just weren't on the same page when yep. it comes to having children. And it's like you love that person so deeply, but it's such a massive decision and such a massive, I guess in a sense, if you're not on board with it, a sacrifice yep. that you're making for that other person. So, yeah, but I just want to take it back to the conversations that we used to have when we wanted kids and the, I guess, perceived idea of what I had for people that didn't want children when I still did want children. Yeah, okay. So it's interesting how roles have reversed and um, how I see things now to what I used to to feel and think. But I used to look at people that didn't want children as selfish or very career-oriented. Yes. And I find that interesting now looking back on that. And, you know, I mean, for some people, the reason that they don't have children is because they can't have children as well. Mm. So it's become a bit more of a sensitive topic for others. And I've been asked that in the past as well. The When I say, oh, I'm not interested in having kids, is it then they say, well, is it because you can't or because you don't want to? Mm. And um, I find that a really interesting question to ask, especially to someone that you don't know very well. And it's like, well, I'm not going to... Yeah. I mean, and I, my response is, well, we haven't tried. And that's... I'll leave it at that. Yeah. So, and, you know, I don't want to try to see if I can or can't have children. Yeah. But um, so it's, yeah, the fact that I used to think that people were selfish for choosing not to have children and now I'm that person and then looking at it from other people that have said to me that I'm being selfish for not wanting to have children is just a really interesting switch Yeah, that's happened. But, um, yeah, so the... the the conversations that we used to have also is about exploring things with our kids and homeschooling them and uh, making sure to give them a balance of nature and technology and that they're not completely isolated from, you know, the children of today and all yeah. that sort of thing. So Yeah, because I think with that, um, that non-conformity sort of nature that we had, it, you know, we, we thought, you know, the same about parenting. And we thought the same about, you know, 
unschooling and you know and homeschooling and yeah you're right the the integration of technology and and how that looked but limiting that in some ways too so Mm. it was um yeah i do remember having those conversations Mm. uh about okay cool so these are some of our values and interests Mm. how would we you know integrate that into parenthood Mm. uh in a different way Mm. and you know like again if we were to have children we'd be questioned so much about the decisions that we're making so i think even just you know can you imagine I mean, for us, the main thing is that our lives specifically at this point in time are just not set up for having children. Yep. You know, like a lot of people say, well, you can't plan, it just happens. And it's it's never the right time. Yeah, exactly. But for us, you know, we're moving to Slovenia in four months' time. We're self-employed, as I mentioned earlier, and having that stability for a child in a family of, you know, consistent income and working for ourselves in particular it's making sure that we have that balance of being able to work and being with the child and all of yeah. that and look it's not to say it's not possible i'm sure there's many many people out there who are in a similar situation to us that yeah. can make parenthood and, and children work yeah. at the moment but i think but they've got that the, will to make well it work. yeah exactly yeah. right they've got that desire and i think also um being a parent to the standard that would like to be yeah with the current situation mm. makes it near impossible mm. So I guess another thing that we've experienced since, you know, hitting this sort of age in our lives is the the increased social pressures of um, of having children and what that looks like, you know, the fact that we're married now, we've been married for three years and even people on our wedding day were like, so when are you having children? <laughs> yeah. And um, I think that... The social pressure really ramped up mm. when we got married. Mm. It's like that's what's expected. Of yeah, like- because that's, isn't that, but that's a big part of a conversation at a wedding. Mm. So particularly when you've got, you know, like your parents and aunties and uncles and mm. grandparents and all, you know, your closest family, uh, you know, around in that type of space. That's just a natural part of the conversation. It's like, well, what's next Yeah, yeah. Um, for you both? You know, mm. so house and kids, when are they coming? We're so excited to be grandparents, you know. Um, mm. And I think it just builds momentum from that day. Mm. And even just the on the topic of grandparents, I think, you know, I guess for my parents, they're not grandparents yet. Whereas your your side of the family, you know, there's already, there's already four. Yeah, four grandchildren. And um, so both your brother and sister have two kids each. Yep. And no one in my family at this stage has children. I know my older sister doesn't plan on having kids either. Mm. And my younger two siblings, there's still a bit of a question mark as to whether or not they want to make that decision. I think my younger sister does. Um, But it's just this whole thing of, you know, it would be so nice to have like a a mini Marsha or a mini Michael in the family and, Mm. you know, you'd make such cute babies. And from the day... We started dating. That was something that I used to hear all the time. Oh, you guys would make such cute babies. Oh, we can't wait to see what they'll Mm. look like. And even though we don't really care about that stuff, but it's like, you know, it kind of plays uh, in the back of your mind. uh, Like, I don't know if we didn't care. I mean, not back then, but now it's like that's the last thing that that, we would do. But that stuff feeds your ego. I mean, you know, for sure, when. Uh, everyone's like, oh, you make such nice caramel babies. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, yeah, actually. You know. <laughs> and then you start thinking of names. Yeah. You know, really. <laughs> uh, we actually did have quite a few names. And, you know, that was something that I, like, started a list over. I was yeah. like, I don't want to Do you still have get... that list? Probably somewhere. somewhere. Yeah, okay. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that I didn't want to leave till the last minute. And be like, oh, we'll just, we need to name this child. So, and it's like a song when you like a song and I remember a song, I write it down. It was like that if I hear a name or I think of something, I'd write it down so yeah. that I didn't have to try and remember it later. Yeah. On. And look, there's, um, I know we're not the only couple that did this or has done this in the past. I think this is really common. I think when, you you have committed to each other and, you know, children are a part of your future plans. 
you start to have antennas up for that type of stuff. Yeah. And you start to naturally think of names mm. uh, and, and jot them down when, they, when, you, when you come across them. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that people even now say, I guess, more so when we've decided not to have children, it's like, oh, it's such a shame because people like you should really reproduce, you know, like you come from good families and, you know, the way that you see the world should be spread and you should pass that on to your children and all of that sort of thing. So it was Mm. an interesting concept to be put into that of, you know, well, I know you don't want children, but you should just for the sake of humanity in a way. Yeah, there was a lot of people who actually commented on your article Mm. saying something similar. Yeah. You know, of 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 you know, instilling conscious beings, mm. uh, bringing them into our world, it's 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 a positive thing, yeah, uh, for humanity. Um, which which was yeah, a really interesting way of looking looking at it. Mm. Um, because you know, I would have thought that you know, hopefully, um, you know, and look, this is a bit out there, but I've also looked at um, sort of the world as a big family as yeah. well, and I think you know, if you think about the relationships that we can build with people that are not blood related mm. and how they can feel like family. Mm. I think, you know, regardless of whether it's DNA or not, we have an opportunity to influence each other for mm. the better. Mm. Um, I don't think it necessarily means that you need to have a child to be able to instill those beliefs and, and help make positive change. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, you know, relate to us as family, even though they're not blood family. And it's really, you know, it's a sense of, uh, community and just feeling safer and you know like I even got a message from someone that I've known for a little while and she lives in in France and she was saying oh, I can't wait to have family closer to me and we're not family but you know she considers me as family yeah so it's just really nice to kind of have people say things like that and mm-hmm. to make you realize well just because you're not blood that doesn't mean that you can be there for someone as you would for a family member. For sure, for sure. So, um, yeah, it's it's an interesting topic and I think um, amongst all of the things that we've mentioned as to, I guess, why we wouldn't want to have children, there's so many others, like, for instance, for, for the environment, really. Mm. I mean, learning more about in the last few years, it's just becoming more and more evident as to why there's more reason not to bring children into this world because, I mean, our future is uncertain. Mm. Yet if we bring another generation into it, it really it's really worrying to see, well, what that's going to look like. Mm. You know, so just the fact that so many um, different things are happening like global warming, deforestation, you know, icebergs are melting, sea uh, levels are rising and... Just also, yeah, it's, it's concerning you know, stuff. Yeah, fishless oceans by the year twenty fourteen is predicted as well. Oh, twenty forty eight. So, yep. Sorry. Yeah. 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 By twenty forty eight, and so it's um, yeah, it's a really like you can look at the world all doom and gloom, but you also got to be realistic, you know, as to what what yeah. the stress and the burden that you will be putting on a child as well, and. Then that brings me to my next point. Well, there's so many children out there that need homes. Yeah, and I mean, even even if you look at our like our global population, uh, what are we at? Um, so I think it's seven point six. Yeah, but there's a hundred and fifty three million children in the world at any given time that mm. need a caregiver. Yep. So that's ginormous. Yep. And, you know, for us to then think of, well, we just want a child because it's blood yep. to bring into that into this world when there's so many children that do need a home is just astounding. But yep. then for the, you know, we're currently living in Australia. I've heard so many stories of, of you know, good people having amazing jobs, having disposable income, not actually being able to adopt for many, many years. Mm is an absolute joke, Mm. you know. So they're making the process of adopting so difficult, Mm. yet to have a child is such an easy process. Yeah. So, 
you know, you should make it easier for people to adopt because they're trying to do the right thing and actually help children. Yeah, and I'm sure there's a lot of, um, you know, <laughs> specific details as to why that might be the case. But I think, you know, when you look at the vegan community and movement, there's, a, there's huge conversations about adopting pets, you know, adopt, don't shop. Yeah. You know, but when I look at humans and human beings, it's, it's, it's probably a topic we don't talk about culturally enough is the 153 orphan children uh, who are looking for love, looking for parents. Um, and if you then consider on top of that 7.6 to 8 billion people on this planet, you know, we, we talk about how much resource a cow will take up in their lifetime mm-hmm. just to breed that mm-hmm. uh, and the environmental impacts of that. What about the resource a human being yeah. takes up? I mean, think about that for a second. Mm. Think about all the food, resource, money, time, mm. energy spent into, you know, bringing a human into this world and then for them to live to a pretty high average age expectancy is is so demanding. Especially when they're in the consumerist Absolutely. You know, mindset. Yeah, yeah, and I can understand there could be some evil plans around that <laughs> uh, because it generates another consumer, um, you know, to, to help profit for large companies. But, you know, if you look at... You know, just the sheer amount of resource a human being takes, and mm. 153 million orphan children. Um, not only from a, a, a compassionate, empathetic standpoint that these kids need homes, mm. it's it just economically doesn't make much sense. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a it's a really good point because a lot of people don't look at it that way. They just think, well, I want to have children and and that's that. You know, I want to be able to nurture a child and and I think we got to start thinking of children on a why global level. Why is that, do level. you think? Why, why is that, do you think, that um, we it's value... it's so ingrained in us. Well, yeah, why, why do we value so much to um, give birth to our own children as opposed to adopting? Because... Selfishly, I think a lot of people feel that they want to see themselves in their child. And when you adopt, you obviously don't have that. And, you know, I think if I was to be honest with the way I used to think about having children, it it was a bit of that. It was like, Mm. well, I was more curious to see how the DNA would mix, Yeah, uh, how much of the of me would be in the child Mm. how much of you would be in the child Mm. uh take that further um you know i remember my brother and i used to joke about oh yeah you so marsha's she's tall and she's got tall genes in her family uh and you've got pretty athletic gene genetics oh god you've got to have children i mean these could be athletes you've got tennis players you've got basketball players (laughs) you know um this used to be a real conversation and imagine Um, then the pressure on that child if you continued that mentality of them having to perform just to live up to the our expectations (laughs) and our family's yeah the perceived talent that they may or may not have yeah or you know the the, you know you might be super intelligent have a high iq of how how's that dna going to be passed on Mm. or if you've got twin genetics like there's always this conversation about oh what what will it end up being like what would this child end up being like with the genetics and dna I that they have forgetting you've got twins in your family yeah when i realized that i was like mm, let's rethink this whole situation yeah. but you know what i mean like yeah. i think if we're really honest with ourselves at least in my experience yeah it was about it, there was a little bit of that oh what's oh, definitely what's, what part of me is going to be in this child or what part of my family is going to be in this child and I want to see what this ends up being like. Well, do you remember that I told you a little while ago that I was like, that's definitely my thoughts as well. But another thing that I found, which I didn't even think about it until I started talking to you about it, was the fact that when we die, it's almost like a part of us lives on in our children, you know, so uh, that yeah, yep. you kind of live on in a way, not forever. Your legacy. Yeah, yeah. So it's like that whole concept for me was like, oh, I didn't even realize that that's how I felt about it um, to a degree. But, but but you know what? That's very real. That's actually very real. Um, you know, m- my dad passed away in 2014 
And, you know, I, I still talk about all the lessons he taught me and what he did and everything like that. Mm. Um, and I'm his son. So there's the reality of that is um, your children are the most likely people to carry on your legacy and to talk about you. Uh, but it's and not even legacy for me. It's that still living. Well, it's a representation as well. Is that what you mean? No, I mean like the actual living component of like, you know, your soul and like oh. you're living, you know, your DNA is continuing on sure. and yep. you're still, you know, like I guess if you're not religious, you sort of have that idea of when you're dead, you're dead. That's right. it. So when you sort of, the only hope in some ways is to have that when you have a child, that some part of you continues to live on through them. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. That could be a way to look at it as well. Yeah. So, anyways, but, but there's... Uh, but just to wrap up that point, so you've yeah. got that, that DNA carryover. So, I'm, 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 look, I'm curious for you guys listening to this as well, is what would be your motivation to uh, reproduce your own child versus adopting? And for um, some females out there it might be you want to be part of the birthing experience it could be the connection that you have you know of going through that whole pregnancy and then having your own child i'll just be really curious you know if you could show the same amount of love and care Mm. for you know an adopted child as Mm. you could for one that's your own Mm. Uh, and what's the motivation there and i'd love some really honest answers because i think this is a really interesting and fascinating topic yeah yeah Oh, definitely. And I think you've got to not worry about what other people think or say about that because that's where it can block you from being honest with yourself and expressing how you actually feel, mm. you know. So it's important to have that conversation because it's a it's a big decision to make. Well, I remember when, when we first started talking about not having children, I, I remember just even having the... Th- <clears throat> the thought of not having children, I felt a bit of guilt. Mm. I was like, oh, I don't feel right for necessarily thinking this way. But if I was really honest with myself, it was like, well, I don't know if there's like, do we, do we really need to have children? Mm. Um, but I mean, it, it kind of felt a bit strange. But that's because you're thinking independently and so many of us, like, you know, how you get married, you have kids, you buy a house, this, 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 and this. Yeah. Sort of like the flow of life, for instance. Yeah. So it's, The American dream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but I think the main thing for us was the way that we would want to raise a child sure. was the thing that we found probably the most difficult thing to grasp as to how that would be possible completely on our terms mm. without having to come up with conflict from family, from friends, from, you know, from medical professionals to mm. schools to everything. So Because was, let's face it, I mean, even as adults, you know, um, the way we've chosen to live life has raised a lot of questions and concerns. Yeah. Um, you know, being vegan minimalist, but especially the vegan side. Yeah. Um, and I think a different level of concern and judgment comes up when you have children. Because then you can just be seen as negligent. Yeah. Um, and, oh, there are some and, and there's some stronger opinions about raising children. I mean, you make a decision as an adult, you know, they've got evidence, you're, you know, you're fully grown, that's on you. But a child, mm. um, I think that invites more opinions into your life for sure. Mm. Uh, and particularly with all the things that would be done, which would be considered different. I think there is even some countries in Europe that I've heard that, um, I mean, they were saying that, you know, vegan parents are very negligent and then they end up going to jail or some ridiculous things like that. But at the same time, do they ever consider, you know, a child, there's Mm. so many children out there that eat junk food on a daily basis. How is that not negligence? Yeah. But just because maybe this child was a junk food vegan instead of just normal junk food. Yes. Child. So it's just this whole perception of, well, what was the child actually eating? It had nothing to do with the the style of diet that, you know, the philosophy around it. Yeah. But it was just the foods that they were given. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, definitely being raised a vegan would 
for the child to be raised a vegan would come up with a lot of challenges. And um, but at the same time, you know, as you mentioned earlier, we were both stubborn people. And but at the same token, when you're looking at raising a child as an omnivore and as a vegan, and people would perceive that we're putting our values onto that child. No, we would just tell the truth to the child. And, you know, if they at the end of the day wanted to eat meat, knowing what happens and knowing, Mm. you know, behind closed doors, what happens to the chickens, what happens to the, the cows and all of the animals, and they still decided to make that decision to eat meat, dairy and eggs, that's on them. Mm. You know, so but, but have I, all the information to make that choice. Yeah, at that but point. I think if if you showed the truth to a lot of kids, they would probably choose to go vegan. Well, we, look, it's maybe that's a topic we need to bring somebody on um, mm-hmm. to to discuss the the elements of raising vegan children because um, I think that would be really interesting to sort of look at different uh, perspectives and not only that, but different experimentations and execution to see mm. what that looks like over like mm. the first couple of years of them being, you know, brought into the world versus first 10 years and what their habits and behaviors are like. And, and then the peer pressure of people that aren't. You yeah. Know, like what's it like going to school not, yeah. and, you know, the social pressures when you're so influential, uh, you're so highly influential at that age. Like yeah. how does that all to work? To just give in or to, yeah. you know, be so strong in your belief system to not actually let that affect you at all. But every child, again, is going to be different. Some sure. children are more influential, but some children are also, if they believe something, there's no way that and they're And some children be won't care, some children will care. So yeah. it's, it's, so it's, it's different. But um, on that topic of school, you know, for us, the other thing was homeschooling um, or what, the system's called unschooling or potentially, you know, going down the Montessori pathway. So that's another thing that's very different from the norm. And that's something that I actually always wanted to to do when I found out that there was a different way of schooling. Yeah. And, and one of our um, mentors, we've, we've sort of mentioned multiple times, Leo Babauta um, from zenhabits.net was, you know, a huge advocate for, the unschooling and homeschooling uh, mm. method. He's got like six children, and um, he, between he gives, him and his wife, yeah, yeah. and he, he they give their children options. So some of them actually go through traditional school, and some of them prefer to go homeschool. Yeah. But he he's like it's just different depending on what their needs are. Yeah, um, and I thought that was really interesting. So he's 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 created a bit of content in the community around that whole movement. Um, but he's also very aware that it may not be the best solution for, yeah. but depending on the personality yeah. and the motivations of your child. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and then a lot of, uh, you know, if the child has learning um, difficulties in particular, they sure. might not fit into a normal school system. Or if the child loves to be more social, they might not fit into the homeschooling yeah. system. But it was something that we're, we're kind of willing to, like it takes a lot of energy as a parent to add that layer of teaching mm. um, and, you know, take these education packs and curriculums and distill it down at home and oh, make it engaging yeah. um, on top of running a household. It's, yeah. it's a huge commitment. Yeah. But I think selfishly I was kind of excited about learning with my <laughs> child and yeah. kind of revisiting in many ways what I'd completely forgotten that I learned to sure. the child. So Who here can do long division? <laughs> I cannot do... I, I, was, I think I was pretty good at long division, but... I have no idea. So, shout out to your parents out there who are presented with these questions. Well, I don't know if you are anymore, but your child coming home from from school and throwing all these curveballs at you and expecting you to know because, like, you're an adult. Um, (laughs) That will be... The interesting thing, though, is pre-internet, it would have been, like, much harder, but also I believe that school back then was... I mean, I know school is very different where you are in the world. So like Europe, for instance, is very different to Australia and and then America again. So it just depends. Yeah, and then in Asia. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember even when we had, when we were in high school, when we had exchange students come from Germany to Australia and do school, they were just like, they felt like they were on holiday the whole year that they were on exchange because they were saying how easy it was. It was such a breeze. You only have, I think, eight classes and the things that you're learning is just so easy. Whereas compared to when I remember when I started school in Europe, 
like I only did year one there but like even remembering my mom and my dad and my sister going through the schooling system you had up to like 16 different subjects in school that's crazy and the depth of uh you know any given topic that they were going into was pretty remarkable so you learn so much more and I think that's where it's easier for you to know what you want to do because you're not just stuck to the uh, you're not limited with the how many topics yeah, that you're so sort you of learning. Yeah, so you learn different things and th- different things will spark your interest. So it's like halving that. You're not learning as much, therefore you're not challenged or you you don't see it in many different ways of what's actually possible for you out there yeah. when you finish school. And that's not just not necessarily saying that is like a, just outright a better yeah. uh, path and system Marsha, <laughs> the European coming out in you, um, but you know, I, I think at the end of the day, if we, if you know, if we were to have children, we would would probably just want to take more more control in terms of what that learning journey looked like, and yeah. we would be looking at it all options. Um, would not, you know, it's particularly connected to any anyone, but if we had to get unconventional, we absolutely would. Yeah, um, because that's just our nature. Yeah. Um. And then, you know, like we talked about raising a vegan child and the the topic of minimalism added to that and carrying values of that through into our child. Uh, yeah. And, you know, obviously wanting to uh, have experiences, live their life through enjoying experiences rather than accumulating things. That would be hard, I think. You know, mm. I think that's, you know, one thing we didn't, we weren't able to go into much detail in the blog post is that, you know, you know, coaching and leading by example about, you know, associating fun and success to things. And, you know, if I look at the way I was brought up, you know, I had a lot of toys, mm. you know, and I loved all my toys. Mm. Um, so I think that would be particularly challenging for us is, is, you know, changing that narrative and that paradigm as much as we could um, for them not to see so much value in just things, the sheer volume of things. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, people joke like saying, oh, well, having a child is not very minimalist. Not right. even in just the point of the fact that you're bringing something else into the world. or, But like children come with like, especially babies, they come with a lot of things you need to, oh, for sure. to have. Yeah. And so it would be really difficult to be very like I'd love to hear from parents that are minimalists out there as to when they were you know they had a newborn and a baby and a toddler how they manage that of you know like obviously using cloth nappies and but then you still need a lot of cloth nappies to be able to yeah to have in rotation for that baby um so and and like what's the reality of that because I I think it's all like we can sit here all we want and talk about you know, what would be ideal. But we all know as a parent, particularly in mothers, like it all comes to a point where it's like you just got to get practical. Yeah. It's just not worth it otherwise. Yeah. Um, but for those who have survived that <laughs> and have still stuck to their guns mm. uh, about being really intentional about how many things that you need just to have a baby. Mm. And be every re- time you step out the front door, what you need to be taking with sure. you to just get through a trip out the door. Absolutely. So, and I think my biggest fear was always the unwanted gifts and mm. getting presents that you just think, I'm, it's just, it's not me or it's not something that I would actually use for my child or I've already got that. So it's just this whole, it's interesting. I'm going to a baby shower next weekend and I was talking to a friend about it. Well, the pregnant friend that's having the baby shower. And we were just saying like, you know, she has a lot of similar values to me in terms of how she would want, you know, only organic, only natural products. And she would, you know, want to use cloth nappies and she'd, she needs all these things but she also wants to be very in control of how these things come into her home. Mm. And so, um, you know, it's just making sure that if you're having a baby shower, for instance, that everyone that's coming is very well aware of that. Yeah. And what they give you contributes to the life and the way that you want to raise the child rather yeah. than you having to then deal with, oh, 
thanks for the gift, but it's kind of like wedding gifts as well. You know, yeah. thanks for the gift, but I've got but yeah. really no clue what but to do with But I think what you this. suggested is easily implemented, right? If you set the right expectations with everybody there, yeah. then you can make that work. But then work. it's very different levels. Like I just, <laughs> as a joke, I said to her, well, actually, no, I'm happy to take that on board. I said to her, look, just direct everyone to me and I'll tell them what to buy or which stores to shop at so that they, because her standards are probably a little bit lower than mine, but as long as I'm above her standards, then everywhere that I tell people to go shop, I will make sure. You're like a filter. Get, yeah, they the get Marsha what, filter. <laughs> they get what she sort of will use. Yeah. So, you know, because otherwise it's a, it's a waste of money and time and effort to get something for someone that they just, it's not a practical thing or, but even just like grandparents buying lots of clothes and gifts and, you know, but I think when people get to know you and your values, you know, yeah. I think that that's where it's important to be um, not assertive, but just kind of like express how, you know, I don't, I don't want stuff for my child. Yep. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's better just to say, look, I really value the fact that you want to give me something, but, you know, I'd rather value your your time or you helping out with something or, you know, just coming out and hanging out while I'm at home on maternity leave. You know, that can yeah. be a big thing as well for sure. a lot of mothers. So, so many yeah, other ways rather yeah. than like buying gifts. Yeah. Um, and That's a good point. Yeah, so there's a lot of mothers out there that would probably you know, value so many other things rather than stuff. Yeah. Especially in the first 12 months of their... Come hang out with me and do my washing <laughs> for a couple hours. You know what? Yeah. Uh, that, that would actually be... You know what's really valuable? You come do that. <laughs> yeah. Or like, you know, yeah. come and cook me food that I can pop into my freezer because I just I don't have the capacity and everything that I'm putting together is... Yeah half assed in a way because I'm just, I'm asleep half the time. Yeah. So it's, yeah, so there's so many other that, things. But those those acts of service in many ways are much harder yeah. for people to oh, give yeah. up than just to buy uh, a present. Yeah. And if you, honestly, if you don't know what to buy, just get a gift voucher instead to a shop that you feel like they can get value in some way or another. Yep. So, yeah, no, there's, there's a lot of different things, but, yeah, and kids, I think, also outgrow things so quickly. So, like, from the time that they're born to, like, six months, they change clothes so quickly. And, you know, feeling like you always have to be buying clothes for that period. Mm. Um, there's more and more services out there, I guess, that, you know, you can rent clothes for that period yeah, in time. Yeah, or if you've got a bigger family, or extended Passing family, you can pass things around. And yeah. So, there's so many different ways of doing it now. But I think, again, as minimalists, you want to try and avoid as many things coming into your space yeah. as possible. So, um, yeah. But I think for me personally, something that Michael obviously wouldn't experience is the pregnancy and the childbirth. Yeah. Because... That's always scared you. It has scared me. And it went from a, a place of like me being completely freaked out at the fact that there's something growing inside of me for nine months <laughs> yep. to the fact of being comfortable with that idea but then seeing all the women around me that have had issues with the pregnancy or the birth process yeah um and it's becoming more and more common like back in the day most women had natural births yeah whereas now maybe two in ten women have a natural birth that again, in my world that I've sort of experienced yeah. or heard about, most of them end up having a, an emergency cesarean. They plan for a natural birth, but it ends up being an emergency cesarean one way or another. Right. And that scares me. I don't, you know, I am a control freak and I would like to have, you know, a drug-free, um, you know, I'm prepared to take on the pain because I think that it's really important and do the, the whole breathing and, you know, do a lot of classes before and have a home birth if if that's possible, if there's no medical complications. Um, but it's it's just an interesting... Yeah, and also on that note, I think if you look at like what you just said, you know, and a lot of people listening to this podcast probably have very similar values to Marsha and expectations. Yeah. But think about the potential trauma that would put you through mm. because of the expectations you have of the birth, mm. you know, and the disappointment. Yeah. 
um, and almost depression that you might feel if you had to have an emergency cesarean for whatever mm. reason. And the guilt. And you, you did everything around. that you you absolutely could. You tried everything, and yeah. you you know you would be that that mother because you're so committed. Yeah. Um, you would compromise your health just to make sure mm. that everything was in a row, and if it didn't go as planned, mm. you know, dealing with that trauma. Mm. Um, you know, I think that's that's a very real conversation. Look, it's probably a conversation that's happening all around the world right now that I'm not aware of because I'm not part of those communities. But I'm sure, you know, that whole birthing experience and the expectations is is a real thing. And breastfeeding versus non-breastfeeding and the fact that, you know, you can probably guess that I would want to breastfeed. And if if you can't breastfeed, it's just a whole other thing. And I know someone that's close to me that's gone through all of this and I could just see the devastation that it had on her mentally and physically and it's heartbreaking and I really feel for her. But at the end of the day, there's, it's out of your control. You can't force your body to do certain things that it just it can't. And so it's that whole process of acceptance and really showing love to yourself to go, well, you know, I tried my best yeah. and this is what happened and it's okay because you can't be hung up on that, you know. And I think probably once you have the child, you're probably – you feel this guilt, but you also want to do the best that you can for the child. So, you know, in a way you can push it to the back of your mind and just get on with it because you've, you've got this baby to look after now. Um, but it's not an easy thing. And that's, I think, not to say that those experiences from people that I know have scared me off it, but it's, it's also a very real thing Yeah. that, um, you know, you need to have conversations around. And for me, I guess in many ways, I'm not, I'm not wanting to put myself through that. Yeah. Um, so, but I really respect and admire women that do do that for sure for their children and, yeah. and how they go about it. So, um, but not even just the whole, the whole birthing process, but it's also the whole, you know, when you're pregnant, making sure that you're doing everything right, that you're, getting all the the nutrients, the vital nutrients for the child to develop properly. And, you know, even just two days ago, I literally was in the background was the television on and I heard on the news that there's some um, uh, new research that's come out saying that uh, I think, don't, don't quote me on this, but something like half of the women, oh, sorry, you, you double your risk of, having a stillbirth if you sleep on your back when you're pregnant. Right. Rather than I think you can favour the left side. Again, don't quote me on this, but this is kind of just what was in the background. And I'm thinking in my head, the amount of anxiety that that one news report has just given to so many pregnant or women that want to fall pregnant is is enormous. Just the fact that they need to now, when they're trying to sleep, be mindful of how they're sleeping and what, you know, like you obviously don't want to have a stillbirth. That's probably one of the most traumatic, probably is the most traumatic experience that you can have as a mother. Yeah. It's just, I, I understand that research is important and for these things to be talked about, but you also got to think about how that's received on the other end and what that's Mm. doing to women you know, if they're pregnant, the, that stress that it's putting on them and their baby just to make sure that they're already doing a million and one things right. Yeah. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah. So. Do you think that would be an overwhelming process for you? Yeah, I think so. And also then getting advice from family and friends that have been through that. And, you know, again, I know that they only want the best for you, but then when you might have done your own research and found something that might be contradicting to what the advice that they give you or the way that, you know, for instance, your mother raised you or had you or whatever, that can create a lot of conflict in your own head. So it's it's a really sensitive and overwhelming time, I believe. I mean, obviously I haven't been pregnant, but just thinking about it for someone that's naturally more anxious to take that on board can be... A massive massive problem yeah so um and you know like obviously there's a lot of women out there that are pregnant and give birth and stuff all the time but you also got to think about your mental health at that point for sure so 
I mean, not yeah, to good say, point. It's not talked about enough. Yeah, 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 and it's you know, as much as we love children, and we've got lots of nieces and nephews, and you know, close friends um, and family that have kids, and we love spending time with them, but in all honesty, we also like to give them back. So yeah. at the end of the day, yeah, it's like course, yeah. you know, we come home to our peace and quiet with our dog and. And it's it's it can be sound like a very selfish thing, but we know we're very real with ourselves and yeah. what um and I think that this is what minimalism, I guess in many ways can bring to your life if you practice it more often is what you do and what you don't want in your life, yeah, and where you see value in certain things, and you know for us it's giving time to family and friends and looking after the kids or playing with the children and hanging out with them rather than buying them stuff is something that we try and add. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and that just then shows that we actually enjoy spending time with them. Yeah. But um, I guess for me, with my health history as well, it's like I love children, but the thought of adding a child into my environment right now with the way that my health has been in the past you know with my chronic fatigue and not sleeping and um because you have a crying baby or you know needing to you know that's just the reality of having a child I think that my body just would not cope with that process and I know that a lot of women say well you kick into a completely new gear and you know that that part of your life is is very different to the rest but at the same time, just sometimes when I wake up and I feel really tired because I haven't slept well, we'll add a child on top of that. And it's just like, it sounds like a recipe for disaster. Yeah. And it's like, there's the health consideration and then there's like the time. Like it's, um, you know, again, we're not, we're not afraid to be honest with ourselves. And I think, you know, it's when we're looking at this decision, we're looking at how we want to allocate our time and spend our time on this world. Hmm. And, you know, there were some other things that, you know, would like to be pursuing and doing with our time uh, than necessarily, um, you know, spending all that time with, with our child. Because I think we know ourselves. Mm. We'll take parenthood very seriously yeah. <laughs> um, and would be 100% committed um, and we wouldn't want to cut many corners. So I think knowing that about ourselves, it's like we'll definitely be compromising, you know, some of the stuff that we want to be doing. Uh, whether it's passion projects or wanting to see the world or to, you know, experience life to the fullest, it would compromise that without question. Mm. Again, some people might, a lot of the points that we've talked about might seem like a very selfish place to come from, but I think it, the bottom line is you've got to know yourself and what you want in life. And if that doesn't include children, that's okay. Like, yeah, you don't have to feel the pressure just because other people around you are having children. Absolutely. And in today's society, it's not an easy thing, you know, with the things that we've mentioned as well. Um, it it would almost feel like a bit of a shit fight half the time just trying to do things your own way and yeah. having confidence in that to follow it through rather than people telling you what they think and oh, to make so, you second guess yeah, there's so many opinions there's so many opinions yeah. it's only amplified now with the internet yeah um you know so uh, without question that that would be yeah just trying to filter mm. uh that all that information to what you want to do mm. um would be a challenge in itself yeah. um should i like we had I don't know. We had over 70 comments on this blog post and, and a lot of mothers or people who are not deciding to have children jumped in and added some really interesting comments, which I thought I'd just read out a couple sure. uh, to see if it sparks any other further conversations. But So we had um, one reader wrote, I have two children and I love them. But I do openly tell people and my children <laughs> that if I had my life over, I wouldn't have kids. Shock horror. I can hear people's reactions. Um, that doesn't mean for one moment I don't love them. I don't have regrets and I, and I know I definitely wouldn't change a thing. It probably even sounds a bit contradicting. I enjoyed reading your article. I think society can put too much pressure on people to reproduce. The reality is kids cost money and lots of it. They also bring a lot of heartbreak and a lot of joy. Each to their own 
really whether you decide to or not to. Your choice should be respected. Um, so I think that's really funny how she even tells her kids that if she was to do it over again, she wouldn't do it. Mm. But she she appreciates having them in her life. So I think um, I love that honesty. So um, so the next comment says, I even have three kids and there are many positive things um, to have them. But I also tell them and anyone who asks me that having children is hard and not suited to everyone's lifestyle. My lifestyle has changed to vegan and minimalist from let's call it common and now I would never decide for having kids. The only thing is that if smart and conscious people won't have children, there will be more and more common kids than adults. So I'm trying to raise my kids to be conscious and the best as I as they can. I'm trying to be a role model for them, but I also give them choice to choose their way. That is what I and other parents can do for better future for all of us, I suppose. Mm. So that's what we talked about before about, you know, you know, having people who are really consciously minded about everything that's going on, bringing children and instilling those values into them. I'll just read one more out. So she says, thank you for sharing such a brilliant piece. I never wanted children until I met my now ex-husband. We had a daughter together and I have been truly blessed to guide this little soul through the world mostly on my own. However, I'm not very maternal, although I know I'm a great mama. I hated being pregnant. The thought of breastfeeding made me feel physically ill, and I knew as soon as I fell pregnant that that I would never have another child. I had a tubal legation to ensure no further children would be a possibility. My daughter is now 10, and she is a magnificent being. I admit that I do think about how much more freedom I will gain as she gets older, I don't think that's selfish. I think it's important to honour your own needs and desires before anyone else's, including your child. She has learned this lesson well and knows that she is her most important person. Bringing a child into the world is a huge and very impactful decision, and I feel that too many people take that decision far too lightly. Each to their own, of course, but considering it is the biggest decision you will ever make, It surprises me how often people give it so little thought. It's wonderful that you have made your decision available for people to chew on. Thank you for sharing. That's a really interesting point because, I mean, a lot of the things that we've talked about, we've thought about obviously a lot and that's how we came to this conclusion not to have children. And I strongly believe if more people had those conversations and looked at things from a different perspective and took on the whole, rather than taking themselves actually out of the equation. I mean, I know a lot of the decisions for us not wanting to have children is because of our personal reasons, but there's also a lot of things that are because of the situation of the way that things are in 2019 Yep. and moving forward. So I think that's a really important Um, conversation to be had Um, and for people to look at the future for their children you know it's not like they're going to be living in the now forever in the way the state of the world is now so well yeah and it's like looking at the state the future for their children but what what does the future for yourself look like as well Mm. and for for your children's children as well so it's I mean as I said we can't predict the future but I think it's important thing to be real with what's happening around the world and you know it's not all doom and gloom but you know compared to 20 years ago there is a lot more alarm bells now than there was back then so when you think 20 years isn't actually that much time um and if you you know if you plan on living till you're 100 and you wish the same for your child or what kind of future is that going to leave to them um so and i think traveling and and looking at things on a global scale gives you that bit more perspective as to how other cultures are living and and what is happening around the world. So that's really important. Yep. Have you got anything else to add? I think we've we've mentioned a lot of things. No, no. Look, I, I think um, yeah. At the end of the day, guys, this is um, you know, this is just sharing our experience. We thought you know, would love to jump on the microphones and, and actually dissect some parts of the article. Um, I do encourage you to go check out 
the article. Uh, we'll link to it in the show notes as well as uh, see some of the comments which have come through. Mm. Again, we're really shocked um, by how many mothers commented um, and acknowledging um, and admiring how we presented ourselves because um, we have really thought this through. Uh, and, you know, we're not naive to think that, um, you know, our circumstances cannot change at all in the future. Um, but for now, we are pretty confident in this decision. Uh, and and not just confident, we're comfortable with it. Mm. <laughs> uh, so so hopefully uh, for you, if, you, if you're, you're a parent or you're considering being a parent or you don't want children, um, you know, this is just giving you a bit more insight to just be you, be real, be intentional about the way you want to live. And one last thing I want to add is just to never say never. You know, obviously at the end of the day, things can change, you know, we might change, who knows what's going to happen, but this is just the way that we're feeling about it now and we feel about it quite strongly to know that in in the near future or how we want to live our lives, that's not something that we kind of want to go down. Yeah. But I just want to leave it open to not say that it might not ever happen. There is that 2% chance that we want to maybe change our minds and we want to take it on. We want to take on that challenge of having a child and or adopting a child or, you know, and bringing it up as we we think is, is best for them and for the planet. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to add that part because I did mention to a few people in the comments that, you know, I think it's important to never close one door completely. And some people feel so strongly about it that they, you know, they've never considered it, they never want to do that or they they're quite comfortable in how they how they live their lives and that's not a possibility for them or maybe they just can't have children and we've got to respect people's choices for that as well yeah um and you know and for the lucky people that can have can uh, have children um and choose not to i think that also needs to be respected so there's yeah there's a lot of conversation that can go on around this yeah so i might leave it at that And um, yeah, if you have any questions or want to connect about this, feel free to leave a comment um, in our show notes or, you know, hit us up on social media or shoot us an email or leave a comment on the post that we're going to link in the show notes about this very topic that we talked about. Yep. So yeah, thanks for uh, listening and we'll chat to you soon. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. So there it is, guys. Our uh, our long conversation breaking down why we don't want children. Uh, this was a really exciting episode to record. Uh, you know, when Marsha wrote this post last year, we were shocked with how uh, it exploded. You know, she was just very raw and honest about you know how our values have shaped the way we think about you know, having children today. And, you know, it it was just really encouraging to see how many people thought the same way as us. Uh, Not to say that either way is the right way. But, um, you know, we'd love your honest thoughts and opinions as always. You can leave a comment at our show notes, which is theminimalistvegan.com slash 010. We're up to 10 episodes, which is super exciting as well. And, uh, you know, as always, we'd love to, you know, get your, your iTunes review or rating. You know, this is really important as it informs future listeners uh, to see whether this show is right for them. So uh, thank you for all of your support and for tuning in. We don't take your attention for granted. Uh, Here's to living with less stuff and more compassion. Till next time. Peace.